All right. Hello. Welcome back to another edition of Never Hedge. I'm your host, Chris, here with my co-host, Shane, and the editor, Brian. This is episode three. We'll start things off with a recap of our plays from episode two. That's Masters, College Football, the NFL. We'll go over the bad beats of the weekend. We'll cancel a coach. And before we wrap things up, uh, we'll go with our Monday night plays. We'll give you first touchdown, who we think is going to win the game, and any thoughts we have on the total. Last but not least, if you want to call into the pod and leave a voicemail, that number is 702-970-8059. Call in, give us your bad beats, give us your lock of the week, whatever you want to talk about, we're here to listen. All right, without further ado, Brian, cue the motherfucking theme song. Okay, let's get right into golf. So, Shane, we gave out a handful of Masters plays. Most of them are long shots. We, You and I don't like chalk, um, especially in these golf tournaments where I feel like a lot of – you can find some really great value, uh, especially if you're you know doing plays for a major over a long period of time. But things pretty much went according to just – Dustin Johnson was like, I'm going to win this tournament and never really looked back. The weekend wasn't as exciting as the first couple of days, but – Abraham answer kind of gave us at least some hope going into Sunday. Uh, do you just kind of want to recap, you know, how our plays went and uh, what you thought about the tournament being in November and everything like that? So, yeah, I thought it was a great masters. Dustin Johnson is a very deserving winner. He has been in the, some of the craziest good form that I've seen from a player. The leaderboard was packed going on to going into Saturday with Rom JT Patrick Reed, former Masters winner, they were all right there. And then DJ went out on Saturday and shot the best round of the day, and then Sunday, the best round of the day. So it's not very often you see the leader go and do that. It's usually someone from behind. But he went and got it and is a very deserving winner. Our plays, Father Abraham let us down. He had about a six-footer on one on Sunday, and he just pushed it straight away. And then that kind of set the tone for his day. He faded pretty quickly, mm-hmm. but it was nice to have someone in the final group, a hundred to one in the final group. You really can't ask for more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was happy with it and it did feel like there was an opportunity there for someone. I mean, Cam Smith, you know, made a little run at it, but when DJ started, I think he was even through his first seven or eight holes. So there was an opportunity there. You know, if you could get off to two under three under on the front nine, like Cam Smith did, we had a chance to kind of compete, but then DJ just woke up, started doing DJ things, and won by five strokes. So at at the very least, the dominant Saturday and Sunday by DJ, it didn't make the loss very painful because I'd kind of accepted that he was winning for a while. Right. It's not like he came through the back door or like Mm -hmm. someone like Danny Willett a couple years ago just coming out of nowhere and taking it from Spieth. Like if you were watching, he it was his to lose. Yeah, though, and those are the worst too. When you think you're home, you think you're safe, you've got that big lead, and then you're on the wrong side of just like an absolute collapse. So uh, I wasn't getting my hopes up. I was kind of just like, "Hey, if something happens, awesome. If not, whatever." But that was uh, that was a Masters recap. It was a fun 
ending to a weird golf year, or at least major-wise. But let's go on to college football. So I'll kind of start things off with my play that I really loved, BC plus 14. We did get a push there. So in in some sense, that play or the push felt a little bit lucky just based on the fact that they scored last, BC did. At the same time, they got off to a really nice start. They were winning uh, 10-3, well, you know, late in the first. And it felt like one of those games where a few other things go your way. They had some bad fumble luck. Um, you know, they, got, they recovered the fumble from Notre Dame and then promptly give it right back on the next uh, play with the bad snap and lose like 40 yards there. So I guess at the when it's all said and done, it's a push. You can never be too mad with that. It's money back, so whatever it all i guess we made up for it because bc scored and got a two-point conversion to only lose by 14 so all in all we'll take it that was a very important two-point conversion for a lot of people it was and i haven't gotten one of those in a minute so i was quite pleased with that usually if i need one of those the quarterback will throw it away on when there's no reason to yeah absolutely no reason so let's go to our next play shame we were both on this but since it's your team i think I'd be remiss to not let you talk about the Arkansas Razorbacks playing Florida, 17.5-point dogs. Just needed a couple more bounces to go our way. (laughs) Even though we let Florida get the over by themselves, the over was 62. They scored 63 on us. And we never really had a shot at stopping them. I think we forced one punt. And conversely, on the other side of the ball, we were just way too conservative when you know that your defense has no chance. Like we punted at the 50 twice, I think, one time. We did go for it once. We did go for it once. But basically, when you're off, when your defense has that little chance, like what's easier to do, gain a yard or to stop the guy that threw, completed 23 out of 29 passes for 350 yards, six touchdowns, and zero interceptions. It kind of seems like, a no-brainer which one of those is easier to do. Yeah, and I think it's worth noting that Kyle Trask slowly, not maybe not slowly, I mean, if you've been watching Florida football, but he's right there in that Heisman hunt. Kids just balling out, 28 tutties, three picks. So They did not fail to mention it on, the, on ESPN either, that he was a candidate. <laughs> I mean, Dan Mullen, Dan Mullen was playing for the cover too. He was yeah. doing wide receiver passes when they were up like 28 to nothing or when they were up 28 points, they did like three flea flickers and they were just picking, picking on our poor defensive backs. I think if you told me before the game that Arkansas was going to score 35, I would have felt decent about covering. I probably would have taken the over if I knew that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would probably just be focusing on that at that point, but either way we're seeing an Arkansas team that's still making progress. So it's just, the, last year it would have been a lot worse, right? It, it would have been like seventy to three. I it think. would have been, yeah. They would have not scored thirty five points, and like eight <laughs> eight quarterbacks would have played for Chad Morris that game. Yeah, Felipe Franks did good. He did. A, he had a good game back in the swamp. All right, our next one. It was my Thursday night played under forty eight and a half points in the Colts versus Titans. This game it falls by two and a half points, a total of fifty one. It was a good shape for a long time there. Then we had a really ugly sequence. Uh, we had a touchdown scored, followed by a three and out. And on the ensuing punt, uh, it was blocked, returned for a touchdown. So 
just like that, 14 points, and then you've got to protect, you know, 14 and a half points for, or you got to protect a half point under for 15 minutes, which usually doesn't happen. We almost got there. Only three more points were scored, but Colts Titans under 48.5 falls. My second play, uh, Ravens minus seven is not currently looking good. We're recording during Sunday night football, but again, that game's not over yet, so I'm not gonna not gonna count that wasn't that one as an L. Uh, moving on to the weekend, though, or moving back to the weekend, I should say. So SMU, this was a tough one. Uh, Shane, I went to SMU. You were on SMU. Want to kind of go into that game? Yeah, I saw we were up twenty-one nothing, and I was really, I was really into the Arkansas game for a minute. I thought that we were going to pull off an upset, and then I look back, and it is definitely no longer twenty-one to nothing. No, it was uh, a slow painful loss so we wind up losing 28 24 and the offense it's really annoying because they do this multiple times a year you know looking like they're just going to absolutely obliterate someone and then they just take quarters off i don't know if the play calling just gets a little too aggressive it's a lot of deep balls but you know that can get you in third and 10 pretty quick too if you're not if you're not hitting on those so we just took our foot off the gas and Tulsa's not bad. You know, they beat UCF. Oh, they bar- almost beat Oklahoma State, too. So, not a bad team. That was their only loss. But I consider that a pretty bad beat if you have a pick them and they're up 21 nothing, especially a team of the caliber of SMU. So, that's our first bad beat. Going to our second bad beat, this one was an absolute roller coaster. So, Bills versus Cards. I saw it at 2.5 today. I think it might have closed at 3. So, whether you were on 2.5 or 3, there's... Obviously, a ton of implications with how this game goes. If you're back in the cards, you were nervous with under a minute left. The Bills are driving. Josh Allen hits Stephon Diggs back left corner of the end zone for a touchdown. So now you've got less than a minute. Kyler Murray, you're down by three points. Bills backers are feeling great. Maybe you have Bills money line. You're feeling good. Uh, cards get to like their own 45-yard line with eight seconds left. Hail Mary by Kyler miraculously finds DeAndre Hopkins between three people. So, boom, cards are up by two. There's one second left. If you have cards minus two and a half or cards minus three, you're like, thank God, I'm pushing. Bill's backers are like, fuck me, I can't believe this just happened. And then Cliff Kingsbury decides to take a knee in lieu of kicking an extra point because that potentially could have been blocked. Game ends 32-30. Just absolutely ridiculous. That seems a little conservative, but I had plus three. I had already tweeted the Buffalo Bills Berman jersey holding the zero. I was feeling good. I wasn't watching that game. And then all of a sudden, I just see Twitter blow up. And I was like, oh, no. I mean, coaches are just getting like way too wacky right now with their end-of-game decisions. I don't like it because you just can't trust them. So that was a bad beat. For a couple of different people. But at the end of the day, Buffalo held on, unless you were on the money line. It, it's a lot. A lot of things were changing hands there. But I didn't have any action on the game, thankfully. So I didn't have to deal with that. But let's go to uh, our canceled coach segment of the podcast. So there's a lot of candidates here. I would have maybe said Will Muschamp, but he literally did get canceled today. Uh, University of South Carolina fired him. But, Shane, I'm going to let you go first with your canceled coach. I'm going with Clay Hilton. I'm canceling him. And while I'm at it, I'm going to cancel me 
for backing him twice in a row. Even though you told me not to, we were live on air and you told me not to last time. They got in the red zone it's, eight times, only converted four into touchdowns. They just, once they got into the red zone, they turned into like a 1942 offense. And it was so dude, frustrating it, it to watch. It blows my mind the errors they make there. I mean, whether it's fumbling at the one yard line like last week or just not being able to. I. If they did make a big why. play in the red zone, there's a yeah. flag on it, and it came back. And then they would run an end around, which only works if you have Tyreek Kill. I've never seen yeah, that play you need work. Like space to end the end around in the red zone. It's just not conducive to scoring points. I don't know, but then of course Keaton Slovis bails them out. That team has no business being two and zero, but I mean, I'm just gonna fade them until. They let me down, which will probably be the first time I fade them. So that's how gambling typically works. But I'm going to cancel Jim Harbaugh for the second year in a row. He went down 28 to nothing to Wisconsin, this time a little bit quicker. I am also going to cancel myself because I was an idiot who bet on Michigan. My thought process was just well, Harbaugh needs to win. You know, this team is still really talented. They're playing at home. There's no way he lets, you know, Wisconsin come and kick their ass again. So naturally, what do I do? Been on Michigan. They're down 28 nothing in the blink of an eye. First three passes from Milton, their quarterback, two of them are intercepted. Um, Michigan is one and three. And it's looking more and more like the return of the prodigal son, Jim Harbaugh's just wasn't what it was cracked up to be. So Jim Harbaugh, you you're canceled. I'm canceled. It kind of looks so like I'll he's next year. It looks like he's coaching for his job, which might be a problem because I don't think he likes being there anymore. I yeah, I don't know. If, is Jim Harbaugh just not that good of a coach? He just needs his quarterback. We say for the X year in a row. He struggled to win the big game. He he couldn't do it at Stanford against Virginia Tech in the Orange Bowl. Couldn't do it against the Ravens. Couldn't do it at any point. With Michigan, I don't know. Indiana and Northwestern, the number one teams in their, their respective divisions in the Big Ten, just like we all predicted. Yeah, th- it's bonkers, dude. Like you said last week, we don't trust the Big Ten. No, and yet, what did I do? I bet on a Big Ten team. I mean, if, if I could just take my own fucking advice every once in a while, this wouldn't happen to me. Okay, before we get into Monday Night Football, let's just do... A brief little touch on Heisman updates and MVP update. So we talked a little bit about Trask before for uh, Heisman. I think you got to throw Zach Wilson in there as well. The quarterback from BYU made place with his arm, his leg. And there's also just the added bonus that they're 8-0 and and it's BYU. I think any time that you're kind of just not one of those like blue bloods. Don't get me wrong. I mean, BYU's got a pretty storied history of football, but... I think Zach Wilson kind of gets a little bit of a boost from that. And then you've got Mac Jones at Alabama, who is probably the favorite at this point. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say so, especially since T-Law was out a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think and the Ohio probably. State. Yeah, and the Ohio State, they didn't get to play this week. It's a huge week for Trask since he was the only show in town, basically, with yeah. no Alabama game either. But unfortunately for Trask, Mac Jones still has to play against Arkansas secondary too, so put him down for an extra 700 yards. I think it helps that Trask is like, I mean, he's done this against some really big teams too. So 
you know, I'm not to say Alabama hasn't, but the Georgia one was big. Uh, the Arkansas game was, well, it was only on the SEC network. Never mind. Bad point. Uh, going to our right, MVP update. Now, this has already changed a bunch since last week. So, last week, Russell still kind of felt like he was in that second spot. Uh, another loss for the Seahawks. He gets sacked six times. There's two more interceptions. While he ran the ball well, it just was a pretty ugly performance from the Seahawks offense as a whole. So, what I mean, I think he, when it comes down to he it, it, he just he just is trying to do too much for to make up for his awful defense, like especially the Bills game. I mean, he had to do everything he could, and unfortunately, like when you know. When you're throwing it 60 times a game, a couple of those are going to get intercepted. When your offensive line is letting him get hit at that rate, too, it's just a bad combination. Yeah. yeah, and I still think no matter what he does, no matter what anyone else does, you look at Patrick Mahomes' stats, he's throwing 25 touchdowns and one interception. That's – I don't know. You can do everything you want. I, I think it's Mahomes' is to lose at this point. But Kyler definitely did himself some favors today that with – Everyone remembers a Hail Mary. On top of that one TD through the air, he had another two on the ground with 61 yards. He's having a crazy year on the ground. It's just Kyler Murray rushing total overs, I think, are 8-2 and two this year. So keep that in mind. Today they cranked it up to 51 yards, which is the highest it's been all season. Still went over by 10 yards. So Kyler Murray overs uh, rushing totals are, are very nice. If he was able to pull out that win against Miami last week, his last three wins would have been – at Seattle in overtime, a very solid Dolphins team. And then mm-hmm. today, in amazing fashion that everybody watched against uh, a division-leading team. So he's up there. He's he's lurking. We'll put it that yeah. way. A lot of it for them. Like, if you're even going to be in that conversation, though, you've got to keep winning. Like, if they can win 12 games or 13 games and, you know, Kyler's just balling out, that might make the difference because Mahomes has one already. So I think it's going to come down to whether or not they get voter fatigue of Mahomes, which I don't think they will yet. But eventually, like he's just so dominant and clear, clearly the best player in the league, like every year, sort of like LeBron James. Even if that pains me to say, as a huge LeBron hater, but most of the years he is deserving of MVP. But the voters just yeah. kind of get tired of it. Oh, we can't give it to him again, so we'll give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we're there yet. But in the in the years to come, I don't either. With him only having one, yeah, I think when his numbers are this far above of like kind of the second guy, that's not going to be the case. But you know, once if if we have that season where it's kind of like a deadlock, you know, either Mahomes or Kyler, Mahomes or Wilson, Mahomes, you know, whoever it may be. That's when the voter fatigue kind of sets in. Yeah, yeah, we're definitely not there yet, but just mm-hmm. something to think about in the coming years. Okay, let's go to Monday Night Football. We got an ugly ASC North matchup here. We've got the Bears, we've got the Vikings. This game is in Chicago. Let me just double check that because I said the wrong city last time. You don't want to so, be a Ben the better. Yeah, it's in Chicago. In Chicago. I looked at the weather. It doesn't look too bad. Uh, looks like the winds are going to be about 11 to 12 miles per hour, which that's nothing. Uh, new at Soldier Field anyways, so I don't think that you have to be too blown away by the weather. But Shane, before we kind of get into our pick here, 
Guys, before you bet on either team or any tolls, whatever, wait and see on Allen Robinson. If he's not playing for Chicago, they're already without David Montgomery and Cole Komet. It's not exactly an offense like full of weapons. So I you might just want to wait and see um, what his availability is going to be like. And if he is playing, you know, is he going to be on a snap count or anything like that? But Shane, do you kind of want to go into your breakdown first? Because I know you're a Bears fan. Yeah, it's I was I'm really kind of intrigued on three if Robinson is back. But I mean, like you said, we're down so many weapons and Nagy just every week just continues to be a complete derp. I hate watching them. And I, so I watched, do you think the he's he's turning over play calling duties to the offensive coordinator? I saw that. How much of a difference do you think, if any, we can see about that or see from that? I think a, a lot of coaches say that. And I mean, he very well might be, but. There's just no creativity. The funniest stat, last week at halftime, Barkevis Mingo was the Bears' leading rusher with 11 yards at halftime, and that was from a fake punt. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's, that just uh, kind of sums up the Bears' offense right now. Yeah. I mean, the only way that could be worse is if, like, your punter is out throwing, you know, Nick Foles or uh, Trubisky, who— I'm sorry, but I just don't think Mitch. I know Mitch isn't that great, but I don't think he could have looked any worse than Foles has looked these, this last month. Yeah, I think he's hurt. Whether or not it's like a real injury or just Nagy kind of using that as an as an excuse to not put him in the game. Yeah, so I'm waiting on Robinson news. But as far as first touchdowns go, I am going. I think you like this one too. I'm going on any other Bears player. Uh, 30 to 1. It looks like they just elevated former Pro Bowl running back Lamar Miller for offense. Yeah, so. So, what I'm looking at here, like you said, any other Bears player, 30 to 1. So, it's Cole Komet out, David Montgomery out, Allen Robinson potentially out. Now, while a lot of these backups are going to be listed on there, you just. You see a lot of creativity, especially when teams are depleted. You know. They put guys in weird positions, whatever. I just think that something fluky could happy happen here. So any other Bears player, you know, just take a little dice roll on it. At 30 to 1, it's not bad odds for, you know, you got some fringy tight ends and guys like that who, you know, maybe they get a, a weird play or wide receiver five comes in, makes a bit weird play. So that includes like the Bears that includes the Bears defense too, which is probably just as likely to score a touchdown than the offense at this point. Mm-hmm. So my next one, I've got, or my first one, I've got Justin Jefferson. He, uh, don't get me wrong, he only has three TDs this year. But what I like about him, he's averaging 18 yards a catch. And this is a guy who can either get behind the defense or make a play in space and beat people into the open field. Kirk loves him. It's 10 to 1 value. Um, so why not take a little flyer on it, see if Justin Jefferson can make a play. And then Jimmy Graham at plus 950. Leads the Bears in red zone targets with 14. He's caught eight of them. Six have gone for touchdowns. Once they get in that zone, especially if they're not being, if they're not able to run the ball, just look for the old big guy, Jimmy Graham. Uh, six red zone, red zone touchdowns already. You got to love those odds. So 950 works for me. Yeah, and on the other side of the ball, so we, I'll go ahead and add Kyle Rudolph. His target numbers in the red zone aren't great, but – that's because Irv Smith eats all his all up, and he's going to be out. So we'll just like that. Really trying to fade Dalvin Cook fifty yarder to start the game. Yeah, 
I saw Dalvin Cook is at plus three fifty, which is just insane. You can, I mean, now he's probably going to score the first touchdown, but I'm ne- absolutely never taking a plus three fifty for a first TD. Although I did hammer Lamar Jackson tonight, which didn't hit, and you had Willie Sneed, which did hit. So, not great, Bob. Uh, but Shane, let's get let's get back to the regular game as well. I want to talk. Let's say that Allen Robinson is playing. So I do like Chicago here at plus three. If Robinson is playing, I just think that number is a little too high. Minnesota is not a very good team. I don't think the Bears are very good either. But home dog. I mean, I'll just just give me the three points, and maybe the play calling is a little better. Chicago's got a great defense. They only give up 21 points a game, whereas Minnesota gives up nearly 30 points a game. So you'd like to think this could potentially be a bounce-back opportunity for the Chicago offense that's been pretty pedestrian in the last month or so. But if anyone can do it, you want to do it against Minnesota, slow the clock down, just keep the ball out of Dalvin Cook's hands. But that's my play on the game. I don't really like a whole lot else other than the first TD problem. Yeah, I think if – Robinson doesn't come in. I'll just be watching it as a fan. Maybe we can get a crazy number. They actually were a two-point conversion away from pushing against the Titans, even as bad as they played. They they haven't been completely dead on offense. It just took them a little while to get going. That's uh that's everything I've got for Monday Night Football. I wish we had kind of a more exciting matchup, but you know the Bears and the Vikings. There's there's some entertainment in that. Uh, guys, I just do want to mention as well, for next week, we're going to do, we're either going to move up our second episode, or we might do a special Thanksgiving Day episode in the middle of the week. So uh, we'll have more on that for during episode four, but just keep an eye out for that because we want to have all the first TD props and break down every Thanksgiving game. It wouldn't be Turkey Day without just relentlessly betting the board from you know 11 a.m. throughout the rest of the day. So. Keep an eye out for that. All right, I have something to add that I didn't get to. The, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so another one of my plays that ended horribly was the Raiders over 51. It was basically cursed from the very beginning. We had two touchdowns called back on flags. Waller drops a wide-open touchdown. And then we have a chance would be the – eventually it'd be a push on the over. And Judy is wide open for a two-point conversion – and just does not know where he's at, doesn't care where he's at because the game's kind of out of hands already. And he catches it about two feet out of the end zone. So that was pretty brutal. Dude, that game was so brutal. Everything about it was... So also worth mentioning, one of those touchdowns that got called back was right at the end of the second half. Um, The Broncos scored. So it gets called back for holding next play. Drew Locke interception, which if that doesn't happen, Oakland gets a field goal. Those three points push us over. It just everything was a painful disaster. And the hold was pointless. He was he was already going to score a touchdown. The hold was yeah. in the end zone. He was already on the corner. And but they the Raiders offense listened to the pod and figured out that they needed to get pressure on Drew because they were just absolutely after him every play they seem to be in the backfields and like we said he cannot pass under pressure 23 23 47 5.5 yards per attempt one touchdown and four interceptions 
and still should have went over. That's how much of a dead over that yeah. was. So that was brutal. It's kind of frustrating to watch. Basically, you kind of see the writing on the wall when stuff comes back like that. When touchdowns get called back, you're like, oh, this this has no hey, chance. Hey, we still had a chance at the end of the game, but that last interception, uh, the Broncos got down to like the 21-yard line of Oakland, or excuse me, Las Vegas, and then blocked through his fourth interception. So, you know, there was still a chance, but we did not deserve that at that point. Or maybe we did deserve I, I think I think we did it deserve it. painful. Yeah. Personally. Uh, but, yeah. But just Yeah, let, let's win some games this week. National Coin Flip League, it seems to come down to the last play, every decision, the over, the spread, but we'll get them next week. That is episode three of Never Hedge. It's me, it's Shane, it's Brian. And remember, if you do want to call in, voicemail number is 702-970-8059. That's episode three. We'll see you next time.